Welcome to the Men's Mental Health Show, everyone. I think we've had a... Thank you, Jeff, our technician. Maddie, thanks, mate. Uh, just out of breath from running over to the, to the main console. Run, to, boy, run. To get to the studio, to get uh, Jeff to come and... Well, to the office. We seem to be coming through pretty good now. I'm not sure we got that opening song, but it was another oh. Bobby Dazzler from Matt. We'll... Uh, <laughs> We'll get him to come. It was the best thing you ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. Uh, just uh, before we uh, introduce our guests and, and get the show underway, uh, I want to say a big thanks uh, to our uh, last week's guest. Uh, uh, it was fantastic. Um, actually, even forgotten. <laughs> of course, Chris. Chris. Uh, I'm trying to think of his surname, Syred, Chris Syred, the, uh, the tattooed tradesman. Um, and thanks for coming in and sharing your story. Uh, the response I've had through the week has been um, nothing short of outstanding and, and certainly encouraging. You've, uh, you've uplifted a lot of people and um, made a difference, I think, Chris, in, in a lot of people's lives. So thanks, mate. Um, and also, too, um, uh, of course, to our sponsors, a big uh, mention that I must make uh, next week. I've got uh, Mounties Group coming on board. So thank you um, to my major sponsor, Noel Pope, who's, uh, I think he's, he's currently on a plane to the UK. He should be landing shortly uh, for the first holiday with his partner or wife, Deb, in 35 years. Wow. They've always had to, I think it was 35 years, had to holiday separately because they run a business in Lawson, which was a, the post office. So uh, well done. Uh, Noel and Deb, and thank you for sponsoring the show, and of course to Brazen Growth behind the smile, Alini Salakis. Don't forget to get behind that uh, that show or their their big night out on the 21st of September. Um, apologies for my uh, my voice. I've uh, I was on the sidelines barracking for the Kazakhans, <laughs> who of course we had on three weeks ago. Now uh, they won their third consecutive premiership, uh, which was just fantastic. So Great game of cricket. Was that? Was that you who texted me then? Did I? Oh. Someone texted me, shrieking about third year in a row, back to back to back premiers. And oh, it would have been Beachy. There was no number, and I was going, "Who's that? Who's freaking out?" No, no, no. It would have been Beachy, I'd say. Okay. He, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, I think he's told the world by now. And uh, they had a mad Monday yesterday. Uh, good on it, my. I so wasn't going to get involved with that. I, um, I had a few beers actually on the Saturday. Um, and now to our disclosure, um, every week I say this, um, of course we've got fantastic foundations here in Beyond Blue and Lifeline and uh, I do believe you should give them a call if you're, if you're struggling but it's with my opinion and I say it every week that it's my opinion only that your first port of call should be to your GP to help you establish a mental health plan and um, I'll talk to you now about my guest who, who can actually, I'd love to hear what his thoughts are in regards to that. My first guest is uh, Bodie Marson, who's uh, a local boy. Um, he's a psychotherapist, and you've been now in psychotherapy for 20 years. Is that yep, right, Bodie? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you've got your own private practice. Yes. And yep. um, you've also worked in community development, and uh, prior to that, you were a self-employed licensed carpenter. That's correct. How long ago was that? Oh, uh, well, uh, that, yeah, 50 years. Yeah. Yeah, so I've reinvented myself on a number of... Uh, reincarnations really I mean it's been a wonderful journey 
um, and I kept finding the right people or they, or they found me. I'm never too sure which way it goes. Um, and that led me into new journeys uh, and I had a curiosity. Um, that's how I met this fellow, Robin, next to me, um, is um, yeah, within the Catholic Church. But what right. a strange place to meet, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, we were young. <laughs> We were in our 20s, um, girls were the, you know, were, the, were the best thing around, uh, there's lots of them around as well, and uh, we were rel relatively good looking, so... Um, <laughs> give yourself a rap. <laughs> uh, absolutely, and um, um, you know, being, being in that um, environment, um, it was exactly what I needed, because I was a kid, I was an adolescent who... Didn't travel well for a wee while, but alone, alone, you know, reading heavy-duty philosophical material, um, um, very introverted, and my sister said, oh, right. mate, that's no good. Um, you know, you need to join our group, which is called the Young Christian Workers, and I thought, ah, you know, I was a bit cynical about that sort of stuff. But I joined the group, and it was interesting. It was sort of uh, people. It was uh, topics that were discussed. There was um, you, you, you were asked to bring your voice in. Within six months, I was the president of the group. Wow! So I, you know, I just blossomed, and yeah. suddenly the the mood, the introversion, sort of disappeared. I was no longer um, caught in a nihilistic sort of place of you know what's you know this world is is. Doesn't work for me. I haven't. I don't know where I fit in. And suddenly I fitted in. Yeah. And um, that was a revelation for me. That you got to find your mob. You got to find your group. You got to find um, your voice. Um, and that sense of connection um, lifted me out of a fugue or a kind of a difficult place in my head um, into expansiveness and meeting girls and uh, yeah. you know do, doing what young people do. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. And you've brought a mate, uh, uh, one of your best mates from, from New Zealand who's come over, uh, Robin Woodsford. Uh, just give you a little bit about Robin. Sorry, buddy. After you. you go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. No, 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 no. We've always been competitive, but, you oh, know, yeah. we've, it, it's been... Uh, it's been um, we've modified it so that we're listening to each other now and it's a, a kind of... When you have a long-term connection with a fellow uh, traveller... Um, magic happens and, um, you know, the, uh, forever um, um, beholden to Woody for coming in my life and saying, I like you. And I, and I said, oh, I like you too, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's been a light, yeah. He likes to compete and I just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the husband yes. and he's the wife now. Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? I so far as that one. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, look, uh, Robin... Uh, Robin lives in uh, Christchurch, um, currently, yep. currently in Christchurch, so I think there might be a move on the on the cards, which we'll talk about. Uh, he's currently teaching in community development, I guess, or no, you I, have been? I, I, oh, that was a long time ago. Oh, okay. I've been a private part. practice as a psychotherapist for 30 years plus. Well, right, yep, okay, yep. I beg your pardon. That's all right. Um, and you've also, uh, you know, in, in, in social activists and, and counselling, personal growth facilitator... You're yeah. also an author. You've you've written a book. I've just just uh, just about to send it off to the publisher. Yep. Oh, fantastic! All right. Well, we'll get the name of that, and uh, we'll, we'll give on. that a, a pump, won't we, Maddie? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, the big thing is that uh, you've got your own vineyard, which <coughs> you've currently sold. Is that right? Yeah. We've just um, worked with the head, work with the hands. I found yeah. you know great combination for me. So I I would see clients three days a week. Right, and then I'd have three days in the vineyard, and then try and have a day off, which you know, 
never happened. Mm. And um, so I found working. I, I mean, that's how I met Boney. I was studying. I went. I'd. Uh, oh God, you're asking me some big questions here. <laughs> I was 21 years old. I trained as a teacher. I uh, got involved in a youth group, and I helped start. To, I got involved with setting up youth line, and I trained as a a counsellor, uh, a telephone counsellor, and I was. I got a taste for. Oh, listening and talking and connecting and sharing. And um, I never completed my... I got a year off mm. my teacher training and got a job as a youth worker. And I never went back to finish my... to complete my training. So... Yeah. Uh, and that started me off at the age of 22, uh, just doing telephone counselling and then progressing into face-to-face counselling. So, mm. what am I? 70 now. So, that's a few years. There's a few miles yeah. on the clock. Yeah, that's great. I'm interested in that with the with the telephone counselling. You yep. say you did that you, well, when you started off some time ago. I guess that yeah. was your first step into um, you know the, the professional side of uh, you know yes uh, of uh, psychology. I guess um, because we have you know I talk about this on occasion a lifeline and and beyond blue and yep. it's sadly the statistics have come back that 78 percent of men that um, call into Lifeline will hang up if, if a lady answers. Yeah. Um, it's sad, but that's what it is. And, and it's about 70% of people that work at Lifeline and Beyond Blue are female. So, you know, there's something that we, we've certainly got to do there. Or I, I know they're looking at, at making changes or, or, or you know. Well, that, that's the same everywhere. You find yeah. that in Western liberal societies, yeah. there's a major issue for men. Mm. And it occurs in all Western liberal societies. Mm. Um, they're the ones I'm mostly familiar with. And I was just talking with Bodhi about this yesterday. <clears throat> I was listening to the, the statistics have just come out in New Zealand of the number of suicides in the last year, and, and they're horrendous. Yeah. Um, young men, I was just working with a client last week whose son hung himself. Mm. Um, we were just talking about that. And I was listening to this radio show, haha, <laughs> radio show. Um, they were talking about these statistics, and Someone said, oh, yeah, men men just, uh, they won't talk. Yeah. We, we can't get them to talk. And, and I was thinking about that, and I just uh, shared with Bodhi yesterday. I think men can talk. Yeah. The, pro- the issue is, in Western liberal societies, we've never, never given men an example of what it's like to talk. They don't actually know how to talk. Yeah. They can talk, mm. and the issue is not that men can't talk or they won't talk. It's that we haven't developed a language for men to talk about their yeah. inner life. So we, 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 we have a language for tools, home improvement, sport, but we don't have a language for our inner life. Mm. And, that, and, and that's the piece we've got to start to develop. And that's, that's how I met Bodhi. He was a guy, he was doing this youth work thing in Auckland. I was full-time in Christchurch doing that. We just started talking about... He just finished his apprenticeship as a carpenter. And I remember him telling me the stories about what it was like, the parts he hated about being a carpenter, what it was like for him. He talked about his inner life as different from the outer life, rugby racing and beer. And that's (laughs) what I got fascinated by as a young man because I was bored shitless with the... Rugby racing and beer didn't do it for me. Mm. And so I was interested in the inner life. And so I guess the point I'm making is that the only issue we're facing as men in Western liberal societies is the development of an internal language. The words that can actually... Dis- we don't have the words yet yeah. that 
uh, we can use to talk about what it's like mm. to be us inside. Mm. And we haven't had men ahead of us doing that. Mm. So we've had no role models. Mm. We have music. Why the hell do a lot of young people listen to music with deep and meaningful lyrics? Yeah. Because they're trying to find this language inside themselves to, to work it out. because the world around them is freaking bereft of talking about it. They don't mm. talk about that. I mean, yeah. you look at your politicians, they don't talk, they talk about the external world all the time. Yeah, or sweep it under the rug. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, um, uh, you know, one of the goals that, that I have here on this show, and, I, and yep. I, it's, you know, it's my uh, belief that if we do get raw, emotional and confronting on this show, mm. that it helps men to understand uh, the, the reality behind opening up or, or being real. Well, um, being, being raw, yeah. um, you know, I, I shared my story on the show, which is, you know, quite confronting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went into, uh, you know, uh, great detail about, uh, you know, how I hung myself, um, you know, and the impact it's had and still does, um, you know, not just physically, but mentally on, mm -hmm. and on my family and friends. Mm. But, uh, you know, I think checking in is, is a great thing to do. And, and a check-in is a lot different to saying, you know, calling up a mate and saying g'day. We all know, we, we, we know this when we see a mate that's different. Now, I've said it many times that my, my, a lot of my mates can tell that when I answer the phone immediately just by the hello if I'm not going too well. Yeah. Um, and you can do that. You probably recognise that when, when Robin answers yep. um, or Woody answers a mm -hmm. phone. Mm -hmm. And, and you pick that up, and, mm. and the questions that you know, you, you know, you pick up. But your best mate's not always there, of course, or, or that call may not come in, and, and you know, and we can sink down. And, and I don't believe that as men that we have a depression, or depression exists at all unless we suppress it first. And, and from that, if we can sort of somehow prevent us from suppressing, then maybe we won't be uh, so, you know, depressed. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on that, Bodhi? Look, um, um, yeah, no. I agree with you. I, I mean, expression is everything. Um, how can I answer your question? It's such a good question. Um, um, I often talk about a men's emotional toolkit. Um, so at some level we know mad, bad and sad. Um, but mm -hmm. do we know despair? Do we know joy? Do we know exuberance? Do we know curiosity? Yeah, um, you know, all, all sort of kind of emotional states. Do we know um, something about the nuance of sinking into something that's sort of surrendered to a mood or a moment or to a, a smile um, that lights us up? You know, I mean, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. We're very functional, you know. We have a, what we call adaptive language to life. So uh, um, I can do that job. I can do that job. But is there a poetry in our lives? Is there um, a sense of um, responding aesthetically to the beauty of things around us? So a tree grabs our eye, and suddenly, we, you know, we're flooded with a sense of that's our natural world calling me. I belong. I'm part of that. Yeah. That you know that that lit momentarily disturbs a depressive tendency if it's if it's hanging around. So we need to sort of cultivate um, much more of that um, openness and access to the whole world that exists around us. Yeah. And that's that's a form of liberation. That's an ultimate freedom. Um, and that's what the artists have understood, is that they free themselves from the preoccupations of survival and trying to show up in some way as a valuable human being to a much more deeper um, resonance. I can hear it in your music, Matt, you know, that you've obviously um, had experiences and you've created order out of the disorder of some of those experiences in order to actually build you. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, so um, um, you, I would say that you're a man becoming a richer, deeper, nuanced uh, yeah. being as a result of, you, of your openness to the phenomena that, that comes at you from people in, in the natural world. And hopefully I'll never lose that till the, the day I pass. Absolutely, you know, yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter if I live to the age of 100. You know, I still want to be surprised okay. and excited yeah. by what's before me. Yeah. I've got a question about this then. So you said something important before. My question to you uh, is what enabled you to go down? You said your mates can pick up mm. when you're da da da. What, what enabled, what was the switch that was switched on or enabled you to start to do that? Uh, how did you get to that inner world? Uh, are we talking about when I became suicidal, or no, are we talking no, just I, just I, as I do each each time I become down? No, I mean in it, your life. And so, so mm. there, there, obviously there was a point in your life where you were living externally mm. more than internally. Yeah, sure. and something happened that you you've shifted now to living your internal life. You talk about it with your mates and with people. There's not yeah. that split anymore. What, what enabled that shift? Well, I, well, I certainly think it was the trauma of, of coming out of that coma and the reason why I, I'm right, alive right. today. I think that 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 really has given me purpose, and I think uh, the purpose to not only live, um, but I, I find doing this is quite therapeutic, mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it allows me to be far more external. Um, talking to you guys, uh, listening. I mean, I wouldn't normally ask a lot of questions, and uh, as such as I do. I, I Was that a wake-up for you? Oh, absolutely, mm -hmm. 100%. Mm -hmm. Look, the clinics I've been to, um, and I go, you know, I've still got four or five months of the year to go. I, I wouldn't doubt I'm going in again. Mm -hmm. um, I, I slide. Um, but, yeah, I, I, but the great thing is I have the tools now to recognise when I slide. Mm -hmm. I, have, yeah. I have, and I've learnt them from... Not so much from from the counsellors or uh, the, the psychologists or the, mm -hmm. or, the, or the psychiatrists I've talked to, but more so from the people um, that have been through or have lived um, with a similar condition or, or their own conditions of, of uh, men, mental health, yeah. and 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 I learned from that. Right. I want to come to that because I think that's a fantastic uh, uh, insight that uh, people who have had those events like you've described. Mm who come together and reflect on that experience, um, they shape the, um, the, the, uh, that experience in their own words. If you have experts to shape the experience and they come up with labels and diagnoses and all sorts of kind of fancy things, you're disempowering the persons who had the experience. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that you have actually sort of kind of collected other people around you. Uh, similar for psychosis sufferers, there's quite a, rad rad not radical, but um, dynamic group of websites that are emerging of people who have been afflicted with psychosis who are describing the symptoms and describing um, not in a disease model or um, as a dreadful thing to occur but as extraordinary reality so we're becoming more open to be neurodiverse to have multiple experiences and language it that's our job yeah. and then i want to come back to that other point that you yeah. made about language i get a guy because um, i mostly work with men um, they, they come in, they're embarrassed, they're fidgety. Um, I'm pretty relaxed. My room is more masculine than sort of feminine. Um, there's an aircraft sort of mounted in it, in it you know, and, that, and so it's got that sense about it. And I say, uh, well, what's on your mind? What, you know, what, what brings you here? Um, and, it, it, and then suddenly there's the release and there's, blah, 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 there's a whole flood of stuff. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, I said, how was that for you? 
So I never thought I'd talk so much. Is, uh, <laughs> you, you know, uh, can I come next week? Um, <laughs> so, exactly. you know, men are aching to talk. Yeah. Um, but we've been socialised at some level um, to withhold um, uh, certain parts of ourselves. So some parts can be um, presented to the world, yeah. which is functional and professional or um, having a skill set or a, a, a sense of doing but our being um, or our vulnerability, no, that's compartmentalised, let's keep that hidden way back in the back, backpack of life and we'll trot that out in our dying moments maybe, if we're lucky. Yeah. So to get into a, a counsellor's, a receptive counsellor to a man and not go, well, you've got a power and control issue, but tell me about who you think you are. Yeah. What's That's it like being you? Beautiful. Or what's it like being you? Yeah. Exactly. But well, this yeah. is not exclusive to men either. Women, oh, no. women suffer from this. I mean, our whole society is out of touch with its inner, inner, inner self. Yeah. It's externalised. Consumption, materialism. It's, and when you lose touch with your inner self, well, that's a major mental health issue. Yeah. And so, I, in my view, our whole society is mentally... What's the word? Uh, probably a bit strong to say sick, but dysfunctional on that level. Yeah, that's beautiful. I um I really appreciate you know the passion particularly, Beatty. Um, the insight of both of you. Yeah, I mean I, I've got I got you got me going. Um, yeah, sometimes I, I get up in my room and I start walking around, gesticulating, and, <laughs> and I say, oh, so, sorry, bro, sorry, sorry, uh, you know, sit down. At <laughs> and then we have to do sessions with his clients. Help <laughs> calm them down. Yeah, <laughs> he's out of the top. But that's now. right. You got to do that. Uh, just before we, you know, it's up to you. Uh, I'd like you to you play that song that like we did at the beginning. Uh -huh. We can edit it out. You don't have to do it now. You can do it later at the end, whenever you want. But we can edit out the beginning. It was a, it was a horror start. I do apologise once more. Um, <laughs> you're on the Men's Mental Health Show. We're with uh, Bodie Marson and, and also Robin Woodsford and, of course, the great Matty Tonks. Um, before I get you into the song, Matty, I want to talk about this album. And I've been playing it all week. Um, it's a bird and tree men. Tree men. Um, and the flight begins. Um, I noticed, uh, I've been reading on the inside, but I I'll get you to, to tell me a, a little bit about the album, um, you know, because I know that a great deal of work has gone into this. You've, you've told me you're quite passionate, and it, it's exceptional. Well, thanks, mate. Yeah, man, no worries. It's, um, <clears throat> so the, the record was actually made in three days um, with a fabulous... Keyboard player Stu Hunter um, and bassist Jonathan Swartz, who you know he's he's been a a mainstay. Both of these guys have been like a mainstay in the alternative jazz sort of scene. Um, Jonathan Swartz recently won a, an aria for Best Jazz Album, and he's in all the papers and it's hard to book gigs with him because he's so busy mm. and he's so awesome. Anyway, I mean he's an amazing man. So is Jonathan and. Uh, we sort of convened underneath uh, the efforts of Sid Green. We got a, an Arts Council grant and we recorded it at Bundanoon down wow. um, Arthur Boyd's yeah. property. Mm. Just set up in his room, sort of shoved a few of his, you know, Sidney Nolans and yeah, right. <laughs> In fact, when we walked into As the you record, there was a massive ceramic by Boyd, sort of big head, and it teeters on this tiny little and I walked in, I just walked past it and started going rock, 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 rock. And I said, are we going to be moving this stuff? No, just set up around it. 
Yeah, some eggshells for you. It's um no, that was three days. We I'd never met Jonathan and Stu, and we basically just some of the stuff on there is totally improvised. Uh, What's it like recording with guys like that? To, you know, it's incredible. Uh, it's it's a freedom. Yeah, you know, um, we talk great, about great communication. Word. You know, we were talking about um, Robin was talking about. You know, do we have the the right language as men to use um, to communicate the deepest things of our heart? And yeah, luckily, if your musician is really willing to collaborate not only with other musicians, but also with the forces that, you know, make sincere music or music that means something. I mean, my yeah. eyes anyway. Mm. Yeah. Um, you need to be open to that vulnerability. And if you don't have a vulnerable, if you can't sort of sit back and, and hear what people are saying, you can't play together, you know. Mm. It's like being in a good team, sports yeah, team, yeah, yeah. a family that works well, you know. Yeah, communication, yeah. even unspoken communication is very important. Yeah, it's a certain type of making love, I reckon, when you get a, a, a group of guys that can just gel like that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I played in bands, but, you know, and, and been fortunate to play with a couple of great musicians. But, you know, as you say, when you've gone down there to record with these guys, you get blown away by that. You, you're probably yeah, planning for five to, you know, seven days. But to do an album in three days, you know, yeah. you know that these guys must be... Pretty oh, yeah. bloody good. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Incredible what are you guys into? What do you listen to? What do you listen to, Woody? I was just thinking about that. They're funny you should say that. I'm a lyrics person. I'm. Oh yeah. For, well, there's music for cruising and entertainment. It's yeah. just there, and yeah. it's 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 kind of really. I often in the workshop. I've got that. Right. But then there's uh, there's music I want to listen to that's coming. I was just thinking. I was going to say while you're talking, is it, this is the role of the artist to bring the internal world out into the external one, <laughs> yes. that that and see the things that we're not seeing because we're busy working and we're mm. building houses and mm. we're raising families and mm. we're fixing trucks and doing stuff, and oh, hang on, and someone brings us and you go shit, mm. and you hear something and and you go oh, it resonates. It resonates. That's you know? exactly. And, yeah. and I see that's the what music is such a fantastic avenue for bringing mm. that. In a world out, I know for me, Donovan's Catch the Wind was the first song that stirred my heart, and I was 15, and I, I remember sitting in the park with my little transistor radio listening to it <laughs> in the chilly hours and minutes, and the sun was setting, and oh, I felt that feeling. Mm. I didn't know what it was, but I liked that feeling, yeah. you know? It was, I hadn't discovered sex yet, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. it was that feeling of there's, a, there's something inside me that's more than just the yeah. stuff outside and a belonging and, 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 and that music is mm. such a wonderful avenue. Mm. And I've, I've had the wonderful gift of having a son at the age, I was 49 when my son was born, my youngest child, and he's just graduating as a jazz pianist. This, oh. And it just makes my heart sing when I hear okay. uh, just the music. Sometimes he's yeah. playing on the piano and I can just hear it coming out the windows and it stirs yeah. something inside mm. and I go, yeah. This makes sense of all that other bullshit that I'm involved to in the doing, song, you know, hunting yeah. the woolly mammoth and bringing the food in, you know. <laughs> oh, now I know what, yeah, that's, that's like, yeah, that makes sense. This is, <sighs> please play me something. Yeah. Play some song, music. You were stirred for something before. So, um, <laughs> this is a, this is a song I actually wrote the, the summer, um, the summer, the, uh, the drummer, um, Sid Green, who was my musical partner for some time, 
Um, they had a little boy, um, he and his partner, and they'd been trying for many years, and, um, you know, both Sid and his wife led a, a life filled with, you know, ups and downs and joys and, and pains. But this was just such a joy, you know, so um, I call this Tangled Green. His name's Sid, Sid Green. Yeah. Tender roots reaching for the soil Found the roots of another one sailing in the moonlight Slender boughs slowly entwine Dance as lovers in the zephyr of the summertime Together roots crack cold stone The past still echoes but the hurt is gone Pure water bubbles up from the ground And so from a trickle The river starts a journey on And on and on You might wish to be a mountain With your head up in but you get to be a river And though the little river One day will flow into the sea He'll always be the river The slant from the heart of Tangled Green And Lila watches And Lila watches It's a scene where boy meets girl on a train in a city at the bottom of the world. Shy boy with his eyes cast down, never dreamt he made a woman with a blue-eyed girl. Nobody told him life would bring this gift. Nobody told her life would bring this gift. Atop a mountain. Flowing in the breeze You got to make a river And so the little river One day will flow into the sea He'll always be the river Swam from the heart of Tangled Green And Lila watches on the page feeling the heart by the tree that swayed two lines flowing from the hand mother of the river flowing on and on and on flowing on and on and on yeah you wish to be a mountain But you get to be a river So the little river One day will flow into the sea And he'll always be the river 
I should point out. <laughs> I should point out. I should point out that the little boy they had, his name is River. Oh mm. yeah, right. And uh, a few days before, well, not long before he was born, Ellie lost her mum, and that's uh, oh. Uh, oh. Lila. So Lila watches. Oh, beautiful, mm. man. Get to meet the, the little boy, but um, there we go. Oh, it's incredibly. Uh, you know, emotional now, but I, I can hear that and the, and the flow and the emotion that you you express in the song. It's just yeah. I don't, I, Thanks, every every week. I mean, it's the third week I think now, and I'm just so ever grateful how you you know you can blend the music into a topic we're talking of or the the story and the way you can express it all. You know, it's it, an it, artist. It, 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 it is, mate, it's and it, it gives me goosebumps. It mm. does. It really <laughs> does, mate. And <laughs> and that's uh, you know, I, 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 you know, that's a terrific asset you've got, mm. and it's beautiful. Thank you know, you, you got me crying now. Mm. I was going to uh, ask um, Robin just before you were talking about you know, saying that men or a lot of men don't seem to have the the language yeah. to speak about the inner world. Is it that we don't have the language or is it that we're frightened of being vulnerable enough to use it or no. to actually lay ourselves open? Yeah, I've thought about that a lot. I mean, women have a language. No, well, that's very interesting. I've found or? no, actually, they've been given... It's a big area, so let's just take a breath on mm. this. Um, what, what's my current thinking? What I've noticed is my feminine clients, women clients, are just as stuck emotionally as the men are, but their social permissions right. have been different. They've yeah. been given permission to talk and go ta -ta 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 about their inner lives, whereas men have been taught to talk about their outer lives, and so they've, they've got different social roles, mm -hmm. But both, when I, when I, for example, often, often said to a, a woman client, well, how does that feel? She'll go, oh, um, and it takes a while to find the word. So I started to think about this, and I, I, coming from New Zealand, Māori culture is, is very strong mm. uh, and on the rise in New Zealand, uh, mm. the indigenous culture. And it's a spirit-based culture. It's an interesting, they, uh, they've just recently developed a new word in Māori for autism. And because there was no word in Māori language, and, and Māori language is, 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 is not a, a technical language, it's a language that describes the holistic experience of being a human being. And they came up with a word, I, I can't remember what the word was, but it translates to mean he or she who walks in their own world. And I thought, doesn't oh, that Isn't that incredible? And mm. I that's thought, beautiful. So now that's a spirit, that's, yeah. we have a technical language, mm -hmm. we don't yeah. have a spirit-based language. And so when it comes down to talking about our emotions, I find with my clients I have to go, okay, thoughts are different from emotions. Thoughts are sentences. Yes. Emotions are single words. I'm yes. tired. I'm weary. Mm. I'm feeling amazing i'm feeling full and we actually haven't we actually haven't developed a language that describes well our, the words are there but we haven't put them together as a language about our emotional life and then threaded that into our normal life mm. we say oh, i i feel we should paint the fence green 
Mm. And you go, I feel that doesn't make sense. What we're really saying is, I think we should paint the fence green, and I feel really strongly about that. So my Indian friend says, oh, Robin, I am thinking, I am feeling, I am not liking you. I am thinking, I am not feeling good about this. So he separates out, I'm thinking Mm. that I'm not liking you, and I'm feeling uncomfortable. Mm. We don't separate out what I'm thinking from what I'm feeling, because we don't have a language yet that we've developed. The words are there, but we haven't built an emotional language in our Western culture. We've built a technical language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm fine. Fucked mm. up, emotional, neurotic, and da-da-da-da-da-da, mm. F-I-N-E. It, what, what's interesting is Damasio, who's a neuroscientist, mm. um, has a- analysed brain infrastructure, if you like, and he said, what's so interesting is that emotion precedes the word or the thought or the thinking. Yeah. So... Um, it, it always exists um, in the brain structure Behind. as pre-existing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, and then we have a thought after the, after the feeling. Yes. So, so in a sense what we're trying to do is to uh, regather um, our original instinct, which was to have feeling along with thought, mm. rather mm. than an exclusive well, rational... That's mm. interesting, you see, because there's, <laughs> the, uh, there's, there's the neurological process... As I'm understanding it now, is you have a thought, it fires a neuron off, down a pathway, triggers, snaps, and boom, 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 and then the chemistry in the body follows, and that's what we feel. So what you're describing there, I think, is the loop. We're always feeling, but when we put words and we start to talk about how we're feeling, we fire neural pathways which trigger more chemistry, and so there's a loop that goes on. I think, mm. therefore I have chemistry, therefore I feel. Mm. Because I'm feeling I want to think again, so I fire more off, and so I feel more. So I'm in this circle, Mm -hmm. I'm in this constant circle of firing off neurons and creating chemistry. You walk into a room where Mm. people are up, and you can feel that. Mm -hmm. You walk into a room where people Mm -hmm. are down, you can feel that. Mm. That's neurology in action, and that's chemistry in the body. And the people that are down, or I guess when you've got a mate that's down and you Mm. want to approach that, the first reaction more or less is a defensive one. Um, You know, I I think, for me, I describe it as as like a a metal barrier or a steel door that you put up. And, you know, to get through that, you've got to get through some anger first. Um, you know, which you, you've got a sort of process or once you're through it. See, I always say that men, well, a lot of men that are, uh, you know, perhaps, you know, that, that have gone through, um, you know, uh, uh, like a divorce or, or the lead up after the divorce, they, they're angry and, mm-hmm. you know, the wife's taking the money and then it's blame and that's victim. Mm-hmm. Um, behind that is, is deep guilt, guilt. And then the guilt comes that sadness. And that can take a long time. Um, you know, it, it can be the same for, for women, of course, but for the, my experience and for the... Because I only talk to, to men predominantly, is that it can... And I say to them, this frustrated the living shit out of me when men said it. Well, people, particularly my father used to say, it's time, Brad. But he was so right. Time has to be your friend. And once you allow that, then it's like allowing to understand your own emotions to process... So when you're in the traffic and someone cuts you off, they can, some, for some blokes, they can, mm. they can really stuff up their day. Now, I used to, yeah, you know what, I, I, I try not to even hit the horn anymore. Um, flash the lights maybe if 
you know, you're going down from Katoomba and you probably get down to Woodford and they're still sitting in the right-hand lane at ABS time. But if they don't move over, they just let it go. Mm. You know, I've always said those people in the right-hand lane always give me the shits. But that takes a lot of mental capacity mm. to do that and it takes well, a lot it of does. insight to get to that place. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that's a whole journey. And I still do it. I still get it. It still gets me <laughs> yeah, upset. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. is it because, I mean, the way yeah. you've modified your mm. reactions or attempted to modify your actions, is this because you understand where it leads? I mean, you, you've had the hangover of violent thoughts or upset mm. thoughts, you know. I call it the hangover because yeah. <laughs> if someone's violent towards me and I, I've never actually been in a fight in my entire life, I've always been able to walk, talk my way out of it. Mm. But what I do is I take on that baggage and I walk mm. away and then the, the thoughts multiply in my head and I become oh I should have just mm-hmm. clocked him right in the yeah. nose you know bloody <laughs> getting away with that but then I deal with that for months because and that ain't just stirring inside you yeah yeah because that's a reaction that yes. you're getting from from that action yeah and that's then stirring inside you yeah what, what do you think on this Brady what's you know because you'd get a lot of men that come in that you know, anger would, it, it's a real big issue with, with men. Yeah, sure, it, it is a big issue. And How do you deal with your, with blokes that have got that anger? Because, you know, if they're angry, they're not going to really talk or get behind that sad, because behind that is that. One of the things I'm beginning to think about anger um, is that it's a, a state of being disassociated that, that, um, that takes you away from all the other parts of you that are having a reaction to an event that has occurred. Uh, yeah. So what I try and do um, with men is to say, well, that's... Okay, so talk about, you, uh, talk about what's, a- what's made you angry. Um, um, so um, how much time do you think you might need to be angry? W- when are you ready? Is there another part of you that, um, uh, that you might want to talk from, which is hurting? Um, uh, um, or remorseful about an action that may have been taken. Yeah. Um, and let's hear the words from that part of you, because there's lots of, lots of aspects to you functioning all the time. We are complex beings, uh, and we have multiple voices. Yeah. Um, what's so curious about psychosis, Woody and I were talking about that, is that we all have voices, and we all have command voices. Some of them are a little bit... Um, uh, over the top um, and can inflame us or temporarily um, take us over in a particular way. Mm. So um, psychosis or voices is, is, is part of the common language of being mm. human. Mm. But let's talk to those parts and get a, and hear yourself talking out. Mm. And, that, mm. and, then, and then men start to get pretty engaged with their own m- multiplicities and start to um, uh, get excited about the interior world of who they are. Um, so, yeah. so that they walk away from exclusive anger position um, and start to engage with, a, with, a, with all the other parts of themselves and bring that into the picture. And that's um, a particular orientation that I've gotten in working with men. It's, you know, what I get from what you're saying there is, we, you know, we all have voices, you know, mm. at, at some stage particularly. It's not necessarily a bad thing to have those voices because it's, it's your body or it's your brain saying to you, hey, we've got to take action here or yep. we've got to make change yep. or we've got to make process. Um, 
effectively what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. That's about what, what I. Voices you listen to. Or what's right. Yeah. 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 I mean, we've all been we've all been indoctrinated. I mean, there is no free man or free woman. We're we're, we're all deeply indoctrinated by the the cult of our family and then the community around us. There, then within that voices develop about I'm not good enough or I can do this or I'm da 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 da. Mm. It's about what voices we listen to and yeah. what the big people around us encouraged. See, I, in my view, the worst thing we do to children is we teach them to listen to us rather than to we, themselves oh, and say, you know what's right <laughs> inside, you know what feels yeah. good, listen to that. Yeah. And we, we externalise them and then they don't know how to go back and listen yeah. to themselves. They only listen to the commands that have been given by the big people and then we've just got clones. And, and that's yeah. the... I want to come back to talking about anger. I've been working a bit with righteous anger recently. And I reckon... Wait, what, what's, what's righteous anger when you say that? When you, uh, well, sorry, uh, you know, uh, Australia, New Zealand, Christian cultures, <laughs> Jesus walked into the uh, temple and mm. smashed a few things around yeah. and got really, really angry. And the whole idea of righteous anger, mm. I was working with a guy a few weeks ago and we went through what he'd been through and I said, well, you've got to be a natural response to what you've been through must be rage. You must be outraged yeah. at what's happened. So I've started to work with this idea um, in the last few years of there's anger that's acting out and mm. that's, the, that's the, the kind of defence mechanism. A dog that's been hurt does two things. It goes, or it goes, yeah, or get okay? Yeah. So yeah. I, th I think men have been deeply hurt and they don't know it. Yeah. We've been told mm. to Did go I? off yep. and stick a bayonet in another man for the last two centuries, our ancestors, mm. Mm. and just to slaughter and murder. Oh, put on a uniform and go and do this stuff. And I think there's a rage inside men that's a righteous rage about the mistreatment of themselves by themselves, mm. by the churches, by the military, and by the powers that be. And that anger isn't deeply internalised and it gets triggered by that bitch over there's taken all my money or that guy cut me off. But actually, that's the acting out part of the anger. And I think that's the psychotherapeutically. We've got to deal with the acting out. That's what you're referring to. Mm -hmm. Don't act out, guys. Don't that's out. just Absolutely. acting out. You're not mm. getting anywhere. Mm. But mm. maybe you've got some real rage in there that is good stuff and it's power yeah. for you and we can use that. Yeah. And you have a right to that because actually that was shit. Yeah. And you said, I'll suck it up. And actually, you didn't want to. Yeah. And yeah, that's brilliant. something we have to come to grips with yeah. and go, that's hang brilliant. on a minute, let's not typecast men as to all these, these angry units. Yeah. Maybe they have a right to some of this rage because they've been denying themselves and playing a game that is wrong. Yeah. That is, their soul is going, nah. Yeah. Their mm. deepest self is going, yeah. no. But they don't have the tools or the language to or any kind of encouragement to be able to articulate it in any other way apart from thump, bang, punch. I talk about that, that tools or the skills, mm. yep. mm. you know, one and the same for me, um, about that. So give us an example. What are some of the tools? Well, or I had to learn them myself. Anger was a huge issue for me. Yeah. Until I was in my late twenties. Yeah. And I had uh, a punch bag really helped me. Yeah. Um, so that's that's for your acting out because I've heard about that people get a stick whack a tree. Well, no, it was it was actually channeling that. Uh, it was letting that energy come out in some sort of positive flow. So rugby, sports, yep. league, they're great 
great yeah. games for, for men to play, mm -hmm. but actually they don't necessarily resolve the issue of the anger. What I had to come to grips with was what was I angry about? And that was the psychotherapeutic yeah. process. And I was angry about being crapped on by the church and, and by the adults around me who were dishonest and mm. not upfront. And I, at the deep down level, knew that. So I had to work through yeah. that there was a level of anger that I needed to manage. Initially, playing with a punch bag, doing those things gave me a way to play with it, but I had to get into a deeper level of psychotherapeutic work of who was I angry with? So I wrote some angry letters. I wrote an angry letter, a, a screw you letter to my mother. Mm. <laughs> uh, I didn't give it to her, but it got out that I yeah. were, my dad left when I was 15 months old. I never saw him again until I was 30. I didn't, no one told me who he was. I wrote, I wrote a lot of stuff about that, yeah. and I started <laughs> to tell, to, to, get yeah. that stuff out. So that helped me. I talk at times about the art, because, you know, I, I, Wesley, I bring him up all the time who's been on the show and we talk about the, the gift of, of giving and, and how much joy we get from that, you know, and I'm not talking about uh, object, you know, just about time and, and, and listening to people mm -hmm. as, as the gift of giving and also too uh, for giving. How much of an impact does, does, does giving, do you think, have on men's mental health? Um, or forgiving yeah. and within yourself. Ab um, absolutely huge. Because I'm, it's only something that I'm starting to learn. O okay. Yeah, at okay. 45, yeah. Um, you know, I I've dealt really hard, I've worked really hard on my anger and I think, you know, I can put that demon to bed now and mm -hmm. I just see sort of the family, or I still do, yeah. um, with my sister, I, the only person in my family I really love to have a relationship with but uh, my, everyone else is fine now. How, my, how important is that? Look, being with someone else or helping someone else, what it does is it temporarily dislodges uh, an infatuation or an um, engagement with one's own difficulties or with one's own disappointments or one, yep. one's own doubt. Yeah. Um, and you're in, in service to someone else. And then um, if you get a good response to what you're doing, um, there's, do there's a dopamine hit. Oh, yeah, um, it's, it's incredible. Uh, yeah. But there's also... Men are very good at showing love through doing things. Mm. And um, it, they may not necessarily write words or sort of flowery phrases per se, but they'll do something. They'll do the dishes. Um, they'll, 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 they'll do something for the wife that um, is a gift in terms of time or an event. Mm. And um, often I'm helping women to see the love language that men offer which is not necessarily in words, but is in the things that they do. So men are very good at that. Mm. And that is also their way of showing um, affection and intimacy. Mm. Um, the, um, but uh, the, the act of helping um, or to f is, is about connection. And I think one of the themes that I'm sort of kind of sitting with is that um, the more that we connect um, with others um, and with our vulnerability, um, the more that we stay away from those places in which we stay with despair or loss. Um, and so gradually our brains change as a result of the positive feedback that mm. comes from our interactions mm. with others. Uh, if mm. we're ruminating on our own material, we can sit in a loop, we cre create a loop in, in, in the brain yeah. that feeds a sense of sorrow or melancholy. Mm. So connecting with others or helping others is a marvellous tool. The other thing that's interesting is exercise. Um, we briefly touched upon that, but as an antidepressant, it it's is the. It's brilliant. Goes. It is the. It is the best. 
It's the best. Yeah. I, love, I love your words. It's the best, yeah. best thing you can do for mental health. Yeah. And, and there's not a, a clinic out there where, you know, you can go to where they just let you lie in bed. It doesn't happen. You know, sure. I mean, it may do in the public health system. I shouldn't say that. I'm not being, but it, it is. Mm, but mm, they get you up, yeah. and they get you out, and yeah. they get you, you know, walking off into the pool yeah. or into doing something. And, yeah. and really, and that's getting yourself going and doing open these, and yeah. you know, and that's what I think a lot of my depression was for, okay. for a good period of time. Was you know, I wasn't really, and I was always quite an active person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting you say that. Yeah. You know. Your kids are obviously old or whatever. How old are your kids now? They're being there. Well, my youngest 25. is 26. My oldest is 42. Wow. Okay, yourself? 21 and 44. 21 44. Matt's got younger kids. Like, what do you, how do you get across, you know, um, you, you know, we talk about how do you get across what, you know, why you're angry or when they're acting out or, you know, what do you do as a father? Um, well, you know, just have fathers. Yeah, just have fathers. <laughs> You know, my relationship to anger was quite fraught because, you know, I'm the youngest of six kids and my father was, um, you know, an older father. He's 40, whatever, 48 or something. Um, and my older sister is almost 19 years older than me. So, you know, I, when I saw my father being angry, I didn't... I, I couldn't understand that he was frustrated, I think probably wanting to reclaim parts of his life that didn't involve looking after young children or, you know, those sorts of things. And so anger was always something that I would avoid. I would try not to get angry until I was at the point where I was so angry I just exploded. <laughs> you know, that's probably mm. very Couldn't common. help himself. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, as a father, you know, you, you grow up and you want you want to do as good a job as your father and a better job in the places in which you felt that you could do with some improvement. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and no one wants to be a father where their son goes, well, I need to improve on that because he screwed that up. But I can look back at times you know, as a father and if I'm honest, I want my children to do better than I did. Um, and when it comes to anger, you know, I've sort of swung from getting extremely angry sometimes to not wanting to even open my mouth because I didn't want to get involved because I didn't want to get led to a, a place of anger, you know, and then finding an, a usefulness, a useful anger. Yeah. You know, in mm. between that, you're talking mm. about righteous mm. anger. Mm. And, mm. and it has a place. It's, it's genuine. Yes, it mm. does have a place. And yeah. um, It's how we manage that place mm. is the thing. Yeah. Because my father says that. It, it's interesting. I don't know if there'd be too many fathers out there who go, I... You know, I, I want my kids to be a better father than I was. You know? I hear that a lot, Matt. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I think it means universally. My father, I think he really beats himself up about that. And, and I try and, and say to him, look, mate, you know, you give it into the grandkids and you're doing that. Don't beat yourself. You can't change it. Well, I, I, yeah, yeah. I always say it's like looking back at you at the wedding photos. You look back at 1970, <laughs> yes. your wedding photo, and you look what you're wearing, you go, oh, that, we, that was so <laughs> hot. And, God, did we wear stuff like that? Yeah. It's just like we look back at how we were, and it's always dated. It's always, we only know what we know at that time. Well, you're doing your you best, know? aren't you? Yeah, exactly. I guess you are. But exactly. Sometimes it's a bit rough. It's the biggest thing for us, though, as men, is, is beating yourselves up, isn't it? You know, being hard on ourselves. Well, I mean, and, absolutely. Oh, yeah, well, where when, does when that I was come, talking oh, about come back you know, to being a better... Yeah, yeah. 
father, it's, I don't think I've been a bad father. I just think I'm willing to learn, you know, and I'm willing, if I can't learn that trick that I didn't quite get together as being a father, then I'd hope my, my sons would be able to work that one out in a sense. And not in a sense of, oh, geez, I did bad, I suck. It's just... <laughs> yeah, you just want to know. Evolution? That's yeah, uh, yeah I exactly, yeah. That's great, but Yeah, mm. the Guilty Fathers Club. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm interested in your forgiveness, I think, is the key thing, and it's to do with service, it's to do with giving. Mm. Yeah. I know it's, what it's awesome, saved my yeah. butt was getting in and helping set up Youthline. It gave me a, a channel yeah. to put uh, the stuff I was uncomfortable with... Uh, became lesser as I gave out. Mm. And I think there's, there is a loop around giving, around um, yeah. it's like you don't lie in bed. And yeah. I think it is a piece. Service has, um, if you think about uh, the government now, it used to be called public service. Yeah. You didn't go in to make money, you went in to serve. It's called the public service. Mm. You yeah. gave your life, you served the public. And mm. I think... We've forgotten that. We've forgotten a lot of things that were really important. When we give, mm. we receive more than we mm. ever give. Absolutely. And there's a healing in that process. That's, that's really that well said. That in a self-obsessed materialist mm. society yeah. that I've... I mean, I'm ashamed. My, my book I've just written is called The Truth About the Baby Boomers. And I'm actually ashamed <laughs> of the big materialist, selfish party that the baby boomers have had, that they went off into this consumer thing that we've got. And it's all about me and my and success my, and, and you know, all that stuff. And yeah. who's giving? And I see the ninety-year-olds. My father-in-law's ninety years old. Well, he wow. always was on the daffodil corner. He was always yeah. collecting for Rotary on the street. They had an idea of service mm. that where is it now? Who's left yeah. in Rotary now? You know, um, this whole service. Oh, we're all too busy. <coughs> it takes two incomes to put a roof over our head. Yeah. No, something, something's gone skewy. My wife. Um, Felicity Flip, just until recently, she's been the volunteer coordinator for a community group up in the mountains. And the volunteers that she's worked with, she's basically mm -hmm. um, coordinated volunteers to come together with the vulnerable in our community, the um, disconnected, um, the lonely, people in, in nursing homes who have no one else, etc. But to meet, you know, with some of those volunteers and to see where it's taken them, mm. you know, you've, even people who had massively high-powered jobs, um, you know, mm. yep. second in command at Qantas, you know, volunteers because he can't find that satisfaction in yeah. else. <laughs> yes. you know. Beautiful, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I want to uh, uh, create uh, my own charity, and whereas I think a lot of um, the issue out there for fathers who, you know, really is the area I, I want to sort of concentrate on um, is that uh, I see a lot of dads all think that, you know, if I take time off work, the business is not going to succeed or it's, you know, I can't pay the mortgage or is to be able to say to blokes, look, you know, first and foremost, get private health covered just for hospital, even if it's that, um, and send you away for a three-week clinic because I think... There's a lot of thing, uh, a, a lot that can come from just calmness, being in a calm and, and environment and away from the family, just to be able to work on yourself, and also to to, to do some cognitive behavioural therapy or um, CBT at that. 
Um, you know, and, and, and just to do that and have that three-week time where you can say, look, you know, here you go, there's your mortgage and there's some money for the bills. Mm -hmm. um, because I think it, it just in that is, is a lot of prevention for, you know, mm -hmm. losing dads. I think we're losing this 7.8, it's almost eight dads a day mm -hmm. that we're losing in this country. Mm -hmm. We don't lose that much in car deaths, in, in road mm -hmm. tolling. And the way that our government works with speed and you know, alcohol is if that many people died in the road toll, we would not have cars in this country. Mm -hmm. That's, that's right. fact. Um, so, you know, and it's the prevention and that side. And, and you know, I don't know, I just think, uh, you know, we, we uh, you know, the giving side of it. And, you know, Wes wants to help with the, the adolescent, which I want to talk to you about, uh, Bodhi, because you're doing a lot of work with adolescent boys as well, I, I, mm -hmm. I think yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but Wes wants to do that with young men because he thinks that the grassroots is really where we can do a lot of prevention of uh, suicide particularly as uh, becomes pressure on men or as fathers. So talk to me about Look, that. One of the things about prevention so interesting is that it, it, um, it grabs about a quarter of 1% of the uh, health budget for preventative action. Hmm. The tertiary uh, um, health uh, system, which we're talking about hospitals and all the latest diagnostic tools and um, the infrastructure of clinicians and staff and that sort of stuff, they gobble up most of um, you know, the, uh, the health budget. So prevention is a very small um, aspect um, of it. A quarter of 1%, some, it's unbelievable. Right. So I love what, when you're talking about prevention. Prevention is um, a, a way of really empowering young men mm. um, to, to, to develop language, to actually say, I'm not travelling that well, or I'm a bit confused, or I'm, a, I'm really slutted off with something, or, um, um, or I've just burst into tears, and, and, and that's okay. It's like um, it, 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 a space is created for... So, so what is troubling you? What, what do you think? What, what's your understanding of what's going on? Yeah. Um, um, I had a young man, um, he, um, you know, he, he was uh, 12 when his, his mum had an overdose and, um, yeah, you know, um, he knew something was wrong that, on this particular night, so he waited up for her, um, as he was wont to do, yeah, and um, she didn't come home and, um, you know, I mean, uh, it moves me so deeply because um, he was a beautiful kid but he was struggling and he was angry and he was hitting out at sort of other schoolmates and um, because the, um, the loss was unbearable for him um, and thankfully his dad, um, you know, re really tried to hang in there with him and sort of kind of um, uh, figure things out, you know, in terms of schooling and his solution really was interesting is I want to go to work there, <laughs> you know, but at 14 he was, he was deemed too young, he needs to work till he's, go to school till he's 16. Mm. Um, but, but, you know, he's a young man who will find himself through work. Yeah. Um, but the sort of, uh, uh, the, the sense of waiting up for mum and she didn't, and she doesn't show up, um, um, you know, is, is uh, yeah, it, it, um, it rocks your sense of what sort of, what sort of world are we living in that we uh, that we can't that we're losing eight men a day? Mm. Um, you know why why aren't we mobilised on a war footing to actually address that? Um, you know, are men truly the disposable sex? Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of our agony is that at some level we um, you know we, we sort of formed a conclusion mm. that we're really we're really a problem. Yeah. Um, and um, and I and I I see men recover their dignity. I've been working with a businessman. Um, you know, he's 63. He's very successful, but he's had a relationship. It's his third third long term relationship, and he wanted to make it work. 
because all the others had sort of ended up in, in uh, divorce and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, he is muscular um, in, in word and language and in behaviour. Um, and, um, and I'm sort of talking about, well, um, um, how do you hear your partner? And he said, what? Hear? I've got two ears, I'm hearing her. Um, and, I, and I said, so when she's got a view that's contrary to yours, uh, what do you hear? Well, she's having me on, she's taking me on, she's a challenge. I said, okay, so you're not hearing her. You're locking horns, yeah. exactly. So you're not hearing her. So how about if you uh, move from the literal hearing with your ears and you start to hear with your heart and you start to feed back to her, honey, I think I got that your view is different to mine and I really want to lean into your view. Um, so we, I coached him. We sort of talked about that. Humble pie. Um, humble pie. Humble pie. Um, he, he reported back the next week. He said, well, I don't know what happened, he said, but I did what you said. <laughs> and she lit up like a Roman candle <laughs> with the biggest smile on her face because I um, uh, apparently he said, I still don't know what I did, but, but, I, but using your words, I was listening from the heart. And we had the best two days um, that we've ever had together. Laughing, giggling, being close, being in the, you know the, the, the whole thing. Um, so, so for him, that um, um, stepping into um, um, the interior world of deep connection um, is a revelation. And so, it's changing the way he does business. It's changing the way he works with his indigenous folk in Vanuatu um, um, because he's listening at a deeper level. And I was reading Stan Grant. Um, an article in the uh, um, in, in the weekend Herald just gone. Yeah. And he was talking about the uh, statement from the heart at Uluru that yeah. the indigenous people have, have put together. Yeah, yeah? Um, and he's saying, um, you know, what we want as indigenous people mm. is for our country to become a bigger country in terms of the heart and the response. Um, yeah. to the realities of what it is to be a human being. Exactly. Midnight, you know, Midnight Oil wrote a song called The Dead Heart. Yeah. Yes. And, and it yeah. relates exactly to it, that, exactly, you know, because exactly. it is. It's dying the heart. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It, you know, you know it, it really pumps me up because they are, they are such giving people. They are very spiritual. Yes. Um, and I think that if we, all we have to do here mm -hmm. is just have a look mm. at what's going across the Pacific, how they're doing it, mm -hmm. you know, just... just have a walk in their shoes and see what's going on with the Maori. We can live and we can learn from, from, the, from the Kiwis, um, you know, and how they treat their Indigenous and, more importantly, how their Indigenous treat us. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. so many of our Indigenous, sure, there's a vast majority of languages, um, you know, here as opposed to over there, but effectively they are forgiving. But a lot of them are angry and there is anger at the moment. You know this change in the date, and look mm -hmm. personally, I and it's just, and I hope I don't lose listeners from this, but I personally think this national anthem we've got is, I think it's embarrassing. It's, a, it, I think it's the worst national anthem in the world. I really do. It's, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think it's like a nursery rhyme. I think it's dated in words. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with what we are as Australians mm -hmm. and who we are today. Mm -hmm. And really, it's high time we did something about it. But that's what it is, and that's what you've got to do. You've got to accept it. Um, so I move on from that. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not asking a lot, I don't no, think. Not, no, and, and I think we think that if we give them something, they're going to take a, you know, they're going to take a state away from us. You know, it's just laughable. Yeah. It really is. 
You know, like, hey, I don't know one bloody Aussie fan that doesn't like watching the hucker, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, there's, there's <laughs> an example of, you know, have a look at that. Doesn't that, doesn't that get you going? Like, have a watch of a corroboree. Have a watch of what they do. Go out there and see in the bush what some of them do. It'll get you going. It'll get your juices going. Anyway, I've got a little bit passionate. You got something with passion for us, Matty? <laughs> Give well, us another just, tune, mate. Watch, watch, love watching your work. <laughs> I was interested. In this, this question of prevention intrigues me. Yes, it's a good question. And I, I'm not sure we can prevent. Mm. I th- I, I've, I've, I've come to a, a bit of a place where I'm thinking we've gone down a pathway in Western liberal materialist societies where we've made our bed and these are the results of it. And we can't we can't do any preventative stuff. We actually have to deal with the rusty mm. bed springs that uh, are ag- emerging from pissing in our own pockets. Mm. Yep, our own. And and I go, okay, it is what it is. It's a, I just think it's a massive psychotherapeutic process of yeah. unsustainability. It's showing up in the environment. It's showing up in emotional. You mm. see, we talk about mental health. Mm. I go that even that word's not correct. No, mm. that's right. It's actually mm. emotional health we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it is. And uh, yeah. we put them in a mental hospital. Well, yeah. I, most of our high schools are actually most mental hospitals well, because they they're doing mental work all the time. <laughs> they're not doing any emotional work. As I said, I find high school a competition. Well, mm. who wants to who wants to go and compete at that? I mean, you're doing that as a sport, sure. But it's it's just a, uh, yeah. yeah, it's just a job training. Yeah. Thing for to keep teenagers happy for a while, but that's a whole <laughs> other issue. But I, I, I'm not sure we can. I think we've laid our golden egg, and <coughs> we're reaping the results of that. And mm. I don't think there's some stuff. I don't think we can prevent the suicide stuff, all these things that we throw our hands up in horror yeah. about. I think they're the they're the natural result of something we've been doing for a long while. And mm. until we change what we've been doing for a long while, exactly. that result's not going to yeah. change. And that. That's sad, but I think that's the tough mm. news that we have to chew on and go, oh, mm. what I think I'm saying is we have we have a fundamental change coming up in our societies mm. that we a have. A revolution almost. It's yeah. a tidal. It won't be a revolution in mm. the traditional sense. It'll be a mm. tidal wave of un- unsustainable living is suddenly going to hit us smack mm. and everything that we're we think we were doing that was is going to be up for question. It's kind of yeah. like what's happened in Hong Kong. It's... And yeah. I, it's not going to happen like that, but what's happened there has just gone pop, mm. and a whole level of denial that they've been into mm. the, uh, in Hong Kong. They've got a way of living. Mm. We're now part of China. Well, no one's really talking about the elephants in the room. No. Those two don't fit together. No, no, they an don't. autocratic state yeah. that's going to take charge of Hong Kong, and they're going to go, yeah, we're happy with this. Mm. No one's thought about that. So I think we're in a similar kind of place where. The elephant in the room mm. that we haven't been talking about, which is the unsustainable way we've been living, mm. mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually, mm. is going to catch us up with a bang and there's nothing we can do about that. Mm. Yeah. So I, I see that as a, an exciting crunch point mm. in which we're going to be asked to stand well, up. It won't, it won't sort of come in a, a discernible it's already here. frame of time. Mm. I mean, it's it's been creeping up yeah. and... We'll be in the middle of it before we know what's happening. That's we right. already are. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, if that's the case, Robin, then, you know, when we're talking about people being aware of, 
of their own emotional health. Yep. It becomes a very personal thing then, doesn't it, that society is not going to reach out to those who are struggling because the aim of our society is to always be better and to make more and increase earnings mm. and to climb the ladder. So is it only when someone personally breaks down and realises that they can't compete in this machine until they get their head right? Um, I mean, what is it? I mean, that's what you guys would see every day, I suppose, in your work. And what I'm saying is, is it a personal responsibility then? Or is it something that our society has to say, well, we keep trying to build on very rocky, uh, very sandy ground. Mm. 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 Yeah. Look, I think it does have to be a structural change um, in the way that we actually consider um, what, what it is to live um, as much as it also, um, you know, it's prevention and putting sort of things in place that ameliorate some of the sort of um, the cutting edge of despair and distress that's going on. Um, I think there is a question of, uh, of sustainability um, and um, that practices, one could say, has become unsustainable. I mean, the cost of our military apparatus in the, in the liberal Western world tells us that something is radically out of whack, that we're mm. still relying on old-fashioned uh, ideas of conquest and control. Mm. Um, and I think that that, at a structural level, is where, where real shifts need to occur. Also, that we have an extractive mentality about um, the way that we live, so it's all about mines and about sort of tearing yes. resources out and sustainability. It has to be the new dispensation, if you like, the new go-to. Is your life sustainable? What, how big is your footprint? Mm. Um, mm. How much emotional literacy have you got? Um, how dependent are you on big pharma um, for actually feeling reasonable or yeah. feeling or having some 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 form form of existence? Mm. Um, so if you're not transforming your inner life and your outer life, um, th then then you're part of the problem. Well, you're, you're mm. in the dinosaur yeah. <coughs> zone. Mm. I want to yeah. get to that. Um, actually, what I might do mm. is now that we've sort of fixed the system, I might try that song right, yeah. on the CD. This is a song that um, is off the uh, CD, Bird and Tree Man. I'm, I'm not counting it's got a word. Tree Man. <laughs> man, sorry. Um, it's, the, the flight begins. And uh, this is called Paper Cup. Is paper that right? Cup. So or Paper it's, Cup. Uh, it's, it's, it's to do with what we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, um, street kids in, in Paris at a market who surrounded me, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Didn't Been rob there. me, but I did buy a phone off them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that you didn't hey. need. <laughs> but basically, you know, just it was either that or you were going to lose your own. Yeah, <laughs> the, the games, the games that, that they were playing with a, a blind man there at the market throwing stones into his cup. Yeah, and he was saying, "Bless you." And yeah, he thought he was getting going, etc. And just this, how we tell, you know, the. Extremely poor from the people who, that have, because everyone seems to have a pair of Nikes and a mobile phone. In the West, anyway. I mean, I know that you can't tell. Um, Editing. Blind man hears coins drop into his paper cup. Shouts bless you to which any saint gave him up. Street kids snigger as they gather little stones. 
Drop them in the cup They don't give a fuck We just give as good as we got Yeah We just give as good as we got The truly poor man's getting harder to spot with his Nikes and his sweet smartphone. And you wanna change the world? Baby looks on while daddy gets high. Mama passed out in a room nearby Who's gonna see that the bottle runs dry Who's gonna hear little baby cry We just give as good as we got Just give as good as we got, yeah. And the truly poor man getting harder to spot with his Nikes and his sweet smartphone. And you wanna change? Five minute keyboard solo, and uh... man, I've got to tell you, that sounds so good through the headphones. Great, sorry, boys, I didn't give any of these lads headphones, and that was mate, just, thanks. It was awesome, yeah. no, that was awesome. Beautiful yeah. falsetto, Matty. Thank was, you. Uh, you can sing, you thanks very so much. That's how I usually talk, but I'm not your voice when we're talking about me. Yeah. Yeah. He's just got a range, a good range. He has, he has, uh, that's something else. Thanks, mate. Paper cup. And um, Matt, it's no um, I'm here with Bodie Marson and he's brought a mate over from across the ditch. Ditch. Uh, Woody, uh, Robin Woodford. Uh, appreciate you guys coming on. We're coming into the back uh, quarter of an hour of the show. Um, I want to talk now about uh, 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 medicines or uh, mm. pharmaceuticals or, you know, uh, because, you know, they, I've had them, uh, you know, and I, you know, I find they they uh, were after six months of placebo, really. Mm. So I got off a lot of them. Um, you know, after coming out of a coma in 2014, I think I was on 13. You know, you sort of like the old lady that swallowed the fly. You, mm-hmm. you take one, and that one does this to you. You know, you know. So um, you know, I sort of got it down to four as I am at the moment. Um, and uh, some of those are new that I've had to come in, you know, it's a mm. mood stabiliser. And I've got to say that's been really, really good for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's maybe in time. I, I'm, you know, I think the last six months particularly I've been as good as I've ever been uh, somebody that lives with bipolar, um, you know, with my mood. So mm. I've been, you know, very uh, sort of proud of myself where I'm at. What are your thoughts and, um, and, and, and beliefs? And also, too, in, in your teaching, and, and, and I'd love to hear yours after Bodhi, of course, Robin, with modern medicines and, you know, the impact that, that you know, 
you believe that will, what we can do? Uh, Look, I've got a um, yeah. There is a place for um, modern medicines, um, and um, there's an understanding that um, the biochemical or the bio part of, uh, say, depression or anxiety, is about. 35% of uh, predisposition. The rest, of, um, to understand depression and anxiety, it is a biopsychological social phenomena. So if you're just doing meds, you're addressing about 40% or 35% of the, of, of the issue. If you're not changing your internal world um, or, or your self-talk that's problematic... Um, and you, you, ha- you have very little in the way of connections, real connections, uh, either to work or to other people or to a network around you that holds you, um, then your susceptibility to ongoing repeat episodes of depression mm. and anxiety is a given. Mm. Uh, so meds on, the, on their own, what they're good for is when someone's hit by a raft of symptoms and they're going, holy you yeah, know, sure. hell, I'm, yeah. I'm not travelling that well. They, then they can provide um, some respite enough to actually say, what, do I ask, what else do I need to do to change my situation? So like what, just what like is a, bro- a crisis, just like what you're Like a crisis yeah. in, 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 okay, um, intervention. Yeah. What's, what's so interesting, of course, is, is um, um, that if you go and see your GP um, and you get a mental health plan, so what you get access to is the, the medications that are around, um, that he, the, the doctor can prescribe, or um, and the other thing is that you'll be offered some sessions with a psychologist. And yeah. The psychologist, or a psychotherapist, or a counsellor. Well, no, um, psychotherapists don't fit under the Medicare mental health plan. Mm. That's purely a, uh, for psychologists um, and some people who are social workers who may have done a, some mental health training qualify. But you've got um, um, so. The deeper, I guess, psychotherapy one could say is a deeper form of of um, interpersonal Spirit, work. Yeah. Mm. It's got a spiritual component mm. to mm. it, but it's also um, uh, something about the interpersonal realm that a, that a person comes from, because we because we are inherently connected to others. And as Robin said so well, we've come out of families, we've been imprinted by our family story. In order to individualize or individuate, you have to find out what is your true, what what is true for you as a felt experience that comes out of your viscera, that comes mm. out of your experiential um, um, take on the world. So, to an extent, you've got to um, examine what you learnt and winnow. Winnow. Um, it's a bit like the old-fashioned idea of uh, uh, throwing wheat in the air, letting the chaff blow with the passing wind. Um, yeah, and you retain what is actually nutritional. So we've got to examine <coughs> our beliefs and our uh, imprinting that we've got um, and discard that which is not worthwhile or which was unexamined um, you know, by, yeah. by, your, by your history or by your parents yeah. um, and, um, and, and, and retain what is valuable. So that's true conservatism, is to retain what's valuable. Mm, mm, mm. But a lot of conservatism, um, but, but, and I'm digressing a little bit here. So yeah. th- there is a place for meds, but what I um, what I believe is that meds are ultimately about symptom management. Mm. They are not about changing your orientation to the world. Mm. Mm. 
-hmm. And that's what psychotherapy is, a dance. Yeah. If, it's, if it's conducted well, it's about challenging beliefs that have become sedimented, that have become um, um, a dead, deadening, they're, they're no longer enlivened. So you, 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 you've got to step in. So why am I holding these beliefs? Why, yeah. why is that my always go-to place? And that requires a capacity to stand back from your... Uh, from the symptoms and actually say, well, who else am I? Or, or what else is going on for mm. me? Um, and, um, and that requires a, an, an ability to, to step back. So from a meditation point of view, the yeah. watcher or the observer of the commentary that's going on always in the mind becomes a great skill set to actually, yeah. uh, to actually uh, achieve because then you realise I'm not those voices or I'm not those emotions. That part part of the passing, I'm something else. So what is that something and Part else? of the passing is very interesting. It's part of the passing, passing. parade. Um, well, really well said. Yeah. I so, can relate to that. Okay. So, it, so consciousness might be about tuning into um, uh, um, consciousness that is an energy form um, that is not about mind, it's not about what sort of brain you've got, it's not even about what degree that you've got or what training that you've received. Mm. Um, but it's about refining that instrument and saying, what consciousness do, do I want to become or grow into? Mm. What, you know, what, what person do I want to become? Mm. And if we're, if we're true and honest about that, we become weighty people in, in essence. Yes. It's, it's what we give off energetically um, that um, it, it, um, it is part of our becoming and that's what people want to hear. Yes. You know when someone comes in who has into your, um, into your orbit and you go, you're instinctively drawn. They've yeah, got they, something. Yeah. They've yeah. done something. I'm kind of like that at the moment. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I hear you know, I hear what you say. My my GP, you know, he he doesn't prescribe me or hasn't prescribed me antidepressants. Um, and and Barbara Sorensen, a terrific psychologist, I saw on the Northern Beaches, mm, mm. Um, she never did either. Because the only time I did get on, on the on on them, and even then, my psychiatrist, was a terrific guy, I'll, you know, I'll say his name, uh, Cecile Manenbracket. Um, and he's not very big on, on having you on them for more than a six-month period. Okay, okay, and, so I can care with that. And, and, yeah, and he, you are spot on with what he's saying. Okay. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I believe that it's not an easy thing, mindfulness. It, it truly it isn't, particularly those that live or have a busy lifestyle. It can be even harder. I guess the greatest or the easiest way of sort of as a musician, as my background, it, was to sort of separate all the instruments into one. So just concentrate on listening to the bass, which is a hard thing to do, and that's a form of mindfulness in itself, if you can do that. But I used uh, mindfulness as part of my pain when I get uh, it's breathing into the pain. And uh, he's Hindu, and, and I've learned that from reading uh, you know, uh, books on Buddhism. But I com combined the two of them. Um, and in essence, I guess, you know, uh, from what you're saying is, is you know, it's okay to, 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 to have these thoughts or, you know, in my mm. case, to have that pain. It's going to pass. Mm -hmm. A, a mm -hmm. lot of it is. It, it just comes in. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's not going to be there forever. No. It, and it will pass. Yes. You know, like well, any, any emotion. Yes. I mean, one of the things about uh, the tragedy of suicide is that the range of options about sort of what, what could I do um, become extinguished and the person yeah, uh, yeah. is trapped inside their own bubble of thinking and the conclusion that comes up, of course, is that this sucks and I'm out of here. Yeah, um, doing everyone a favour. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, 
and um, you know to be able to draw someone out of that kind of narrow sort of world view um, and actually sort of look at other possibilities of options what else is possible um, you know what 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 does happen is that the suicide thoughts begin to diminish so that that idea of prevailing thinking um, starts to um, dissipate and the idea of a future uh, begins to grow and that, and that is an ultimately a, a healing paradigm so you, you um, um, and that's what I work always with men who are suicidal is say well let's also talk about what what what, what is your future what are you becoming mm. um, and if you were to check out who would you leave behind and what would happen to them yeah. now what we do know statistically is if there's been a suicide in the family um, the, the children or the, and the new generations coming through have a story in their history that suicide's an option. Mm. And what's interesting is in families where suicide has occurred that the repeats um, in other members of, uh, of, of the successive generations is, um, is, is well known. So to intervene in that, in that regard is to actually sort of increase... Um, um, or spare the successive generations coming through from getting caught up in that inevitability of mm. considering that is is that an option mm. um but but i w- i'm working with a woman who who lost her son um um 18 months ago and um you know the um the, the profound grief that she and her, um, her her children have gone through mourning the loss um um you know is is um for her to be able to clap eyes on the truth of a son alive, um, you know, would be would be a moment of, of liberation from a, a, a travail that's been going on for uh, for for eighteen months. It'll go on for uh, forever because um, he's um, and so she has to, in a sense, recover his memory um, in all sorts of other ways so that she can have a life. So the burden of those left behind um, is uh, is very substantial. I know this is speaking directly to your experience, mm-hmm. Bradley, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate um, you, you know how open you you have mm-hmm. been to actually let, letting us in on your particular journey. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I th- but I think that's sort of our. Uh, I ran a men's group for 12, 12 years, and the men brought in unbelievable stories. But in the solidarity of sharing and talking and weeping, um, and going, oh, oh my God, I don't believe I don't believe what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know that 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 men bonded. We're, we're sort of, in some ways, a group. Good group work. We're, we're instead of having a platoon of soldiers going out to sort of kill an enemy, um, we're having a group of men co-joining together to address their, their, to, their, their, yeah. their, their, their yeah, a camaraderie that's and, uh, and the camaraderie good, yeah. that comes from that, and the mutual regard and the, and the mutual assistance, and, and just the silence of of just holding, just holding that that emotional world. Um, it, is a, it gives us the it gives men in the group the skill um, to actually sort of take the next day and the next day and the yeah. next day. And I've seen men, you know, in a group uh, after two years, uh, been able to look you straight in the eye to have much more language to talk about themselves, um, to in a sense be amazed by the by their aliveness. Yeah. Um, and that um, you know the, um, that's good prevention work. Yeah. There is a place is. for prevention. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's as you're saying, we touched on it again. It's it's the skills. It's it's learning those skills, you know. Absolutely. And 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 that's something that we we continue if we can as men, and and I believe we do. It's not old dogs can't learn tricks. We do learn tricks. We do learn skills, and um, you know we're always developing. Mm. Um, and it's very well said, Bodie. Thank you. Mm. Um, 
Robin, you want to you want to talk on this or say oh, something in regards look, what's um, what's happening what's happening over there as far as uh, is it you know from what you hear from talking to Bodhi, same, is it same stuff. Yeah, uh, so the <coughs> advantage we have in New Zealand is we're a more homogenous, smaller group, four million people. Yeah. So we can it's easier tribe to work with. Whereas mm. you're kind of pretty bigger area, bit more fractionated, right. more nutty politicians. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we get more prime ministers than you. Yeah, yeah. Hey? Oh, You're yeah, just I'm bloody jealous, mate. You must have a barrel full of them somewhere. You We're just searching for them. a Jacinta Ahern. That's all <laughs> yeah. we are, mate. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's a while to brew that one. Oh, don't you reckon, mate? We'd be good if we had one of her. Well, I think we'd be better off. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to do some work over here. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, yeah. hey, listen. Australia was a, a hard-ass prison colony. New Zealand yeah. was settled by conservative churchmen. And that's the difference. Yeah. And we have this kind of, uh, they're just really different countries. Yeah. Uh, we've got a very verdant, kind of rich growing island. You've got a big old dry continent mm. here, yeah. and, and you, you're doing a different journey, you know, and you've got to work that out for yourselves. We've got to work our one out. Coming back to um, <laughs> pharmaceuticals, I mean, the simplest way for, for people who are listening to this to think about it is you've got a headache. You take some paracetamol and it does whatever it does. That's the way to think about it. What you've got to ask yourself is, why have I got the headache in the first place? Mm -hmm. So we've got to get that. What's the real issue? So medication really is just a temporary fix for something. You know, I have some surgery, point. they give me an anaesthetic. Um, it's wonderful. Modern medicine's wonderful for accidents, emergencies, mm. so forth and so forth. It's not so good about health in the long term. Um, and yeah, most right. doctors will tell you that, you it's know. A, they're just a band-aid, really. And, and there is a place for that. Yeah. You know, you cut mm. yourself, give me modern mm. medicine whenever I have a car crash. It's fantastic. You mm. just give you homo, homeopathy away, like, put that away. Give me some morphine, yeah. give me, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I find with my clients, if we've got some pretty... Uh, it, everybody's different. Yeah. So every, no one experiences depression the same way. Everyone ex has their own unique experience of de depression. It's unique yeah. to them. So a pill that's going to fix that is a, is a bizarre idea yeah. because everybody's physiology <coughs> and experience is different. I, could, I couldn't agree more. I mean, December 6th, I got off fentanyl, and we know how strong mm -hmm. fentanyl mm -hmm. is, and I, I was on the equivalent of, I think, about 1,360 milligrams of morphine a day. Okay, it's enough mm. to knock over apparently 16 men. Mm. But when you're on it for a period of four and a half years, that's what happens, your tolerance goes up. Mm. And yep. my pain became so bad. But you, 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 it's called, um, uh, you know, hyper, ex, hyper uh, extensive with your pain. And, and in other words, you know, the more that you have in, with mm. an opiate, the worse your pain will mm -hmm. actually be. Right. And it's not going to work. It has the sense. opposite effect. It does. And, and you become hyper extensive. So, you know, and that was quite tough to doing that, so I did seven weeks or something in the clinic. But with that, I noticed my moods and my depression I came out of. Mm -hmm. My mood stabilised, my depression, I was, you know, became... But also, too, I've, I've, you know, since doing this, I've had more purpose in life, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and talking more or being more interactive. As you say, Bodhi, and just previously... And I can't tell you how much that is. And, and to, to say that as somebody that's, you know, from a psychotherapist side mm -hmm. and then 
across the desk here to someone that's lived it, how true you are in saying that. You are 100% right. Being socially interactive is something that's going to help you immensely. Now, you want to talk about 40% of what a pill can do. I don't even know if it's that much. Mm. Yeah, sure. It could be a Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, they say, you know, I think when I, I first tried an antidepressant, it actually made me feel... And they say, well, if it does that, then you are, you've got an imbalance. If you're feeling a little bit hazy or whatever, then maybe it's working. Maybe they're right. I don't know. Mm. But I think just getting out there and walking a couple of clicks, you know, around the block to yep. start with and increase it, get socially active. If it's so much as talking to someone for an hour and then just going to the shops and speaking to somebody, and that's what, you know, yep. can help. Pharmacological products really can be good for taking the tops and bottoms off so we can actually, as you said, we can we can have a look mm. at what's going on because there's a story. The story started before I had the headache. Yeah. The story mm. started mm. before I felt suicidal. So actually, we've got to stop looking at the end point and go, where did this start? What's the story? Yeah. And that's called narrative therapy. Yeah. What's everyone has a story. Everything is a result of a whole lot of mm. things that happen. So when we unravel those stories, we go, oh, and without a doubt. Some people physiologically seem to have a genetic disposition to bipolar or... To, I mean, in my view, we're all bipolar. We all Can fluctuate between... It, but there yeah. are some people who really fluctuate extremely between those. Mm. And that seems to be... We don't know yet, but it seems to be a genetic thing. It seems to be in the gene pool and it pops up. Yeah. Now, for some people, I know some people who... They popped a pill and it's just slotted a wee gap in and it's just worked for them. Like yeah. having a sandwich when you've done, uh, having a good old ham and cheese sandwich when you've been working in the vineyard and mm. you have a cold beer mm. and you go, God, that feels it's good. So good. It fills a slot. It does. Now, is that any different from taking a little blue pill that fills a slot in your emotional, yeah. mental brain makeup? Well, hang on, the blue pill does something else. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm colourblind, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I beg your pardon, you know as you were. saying, though, that... The, yeah, the, um, the, yeah, that... Mm. We've got we to stop making this stuff weird because mm. I've had clients who've said this, that taking this has just made something pop that works for me. Mm. That's very rare in my experience, but it does happen. It, mm. and, and it's an it's 100% got sorted. Yeah. So there is a place for it. I think one of the things we need to be clear on is pharmaceuticals, legal and illegal. We've got more of a problem with legal yep, pharmaceuticals yep. than we have with illegal ones, vis-a-vis -vis Johnson & Johnson's I, nice I can't court case recently. And again, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And that yeah. one, we also have to face the, the political economic reality that doctors have been captured by the pharmaceutical companies and what's sold to them, and that's to do with the way our economic system is structured. Mm -hmm. So I come back again to our unsustainable economic mm. system that we live in. So mm. we have to remember these things um, when we're talking about this topic. Yeah. We've got to look holistically at it. Yeah. Uh, if we don't, we, we get into little corners. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I had a, a, a dentist turn up years ago who'd been with a fantastic psychiatrist down in Dunedin, and he said, we've tried every combination of everything and he was a real smart guy. Mm. And he said, I'm right back to square one, so I'm back to talk to you, and let's do some breathing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and 
he found that's yeah. that that's the thing that's helped me the most is just to lie down and breathe and, breathe yep. and just I think it can help a lot get of people. The energy going. It's the same as going for a run, except I'm not bleeding the energy off into my muscles to help myself run. Oh, yeah. I've got the energy Getting the oxygen out, through the other one. I've, I've and done everything. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting. The more I know, the more I realise I don't know. Would be the simplest way. To <laughs> isn't say. that funny? Isn't yeah. yeah. Mm. It's that's a journey. It's true, isn't the it? only thing we can do it's is keep journey. peeling the onion, keep peeling the <laughs> onion, and get yourself a good pair of onion, onion goggles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that <laughs> Yes. There's a song there for you. Yeah. Onion goggles. Peeling the, <laughs> peeling the onion. Yeah. Maybe that could be the name of an album. Yeah. Well, it could be the name of the show. Yeah. Peeling the onion. Peeling the onion. That's the journey of life, isn't it? Peeling yeah. the onion. Who am I? Gentlemen, thank you. Thanks for coming on. I, I, buddy, I'd love to have you back. Sure, um, absolutely. I'd love to be back. Thank I'd you. I'd like to if it's okay yeah. um, and we could talk further, have you back on a regular basis. I think there's a lot here uh, yeah. for for the community yeah. of, of the Blue Mountains, but also too for, for my listeners that are worldwide. I'm getting some, you know, across the ditch. I've got a lot of people over mm. there and also in the, in the States, I've got a lot of listeners. But there's a, there's a lot here for, for, for a lot of people and I think having you back on a regular basis might be something for us all to uh, learn. So thank well, you. Thank you. Yeah, thank I really you appreciate you having on. And yeah. yeah, thanks yeah. for having us. It's been great. Yeah, yeah it's been well, awesome. Um, and what the music. You're doing is, uh, Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that music. He's <laughs> he's pretty bloody good. Yeah. yeah. It's great to, great to listen and be a part. Thanks to Bodie Marzen and also to Robin Woodsford. Thank you, gentlemen. And Bodie, we'll see you again. Yeah, and yeah, uh, Matty Tonks is going to take us out. You're going to play the little one? Or are you going to... Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's been wonderful to have you. It's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure. And we're brought to you by Noel Pope, of course. Uh, he's over there living it up in, in the UK now. He should have landed. And uh, to Debbie. And uh, thank you. This is the Men's Mental Health Show. Thank you. Tell me 
everywhere she's gone But I don't accept the reasons Won't you turn on the lights I want you to see this face Want to hear Mary's bells The reason I love this place I love this place Matty Tonks on the ukulele. Thank you. Oh, that was something else, ukulele. mate. Thank you. Um, oh, you know, I've got plenty there in the back pocket, maybe so many. In fact, uh, uh, Bodie, we're still on. Uh, could you uh, give us your contact number, just so, uh, so for some of my listeners, if anyone wants sure. to get in, co- in contact with you, how do they do that? Okay. Um, well, it's a mobile number. Um, I'll, I'll repeat it a couple of times, I guess. 0424. Four one six nine six nine. It's Bodhi. Oh um, four two four four one six nine six nine. Happy to take a call. Um, and um, yeah, ho- hope we've been we've managed to offer something um, to consider and think about and ponder on. Yeah, oh, certainly you've certainly done that. Don't worry about that, Bodhi. Thank you. Um, and uh, also, Matt, what's how do we get in touch? How, do, how can we you know get an album more? Um, well, get the, through your um, Facebook. Is that open to? I've got people? A, a couple of albums on iTunes for I don't know how long. I mean, it's on Spotify. If you look yep. up Matt Tonks, I've got some stuff on there. Great. Um, and this one, Burden Tree Man, is on Bandcamp.com. That's right. I've posted that before. I might actually put that up yeah. again. I'll put that up again. There's a few things for me to post this week, so I'll put uh, the Bandcamp uh, link up on Excellent. there this week, and um, and also too, I'll put something on, and uh, we'll get a photo, guys, before we go. Uh, Thanks. It's been a great show. Cheers.